In a world where there's fiction or fitness, we are cutting through the hype. Choose fiction. Yeah, choose no. fiction. <laughs> choose fiction for your health and fitness goals. Just listen to every TikTok trend, do every... Oh my God, I saw this one. This is kind of what fitness or fiction is about, creatine. There was a 10 second TikTok on creatine where the athlete basically just said, it was a TikTok, you know how the words pop up? Yeah. She's like, she, there I threw under the bus already. See how bad I am at this? Mm-hmm. She's hey. like, common, common questions about creatine. Does creatine only help you build muscle? And she's like, no, it does other stuff too. Question two. Is creatine just for men? No, girls can take it too. Question three, how often should I take my creatine? Daily. And then she smashed her creatine and then pumped out her supplement company like, this is the one that I take and I'm sponsored by. Frequently asked creatine questions with high quality anecdotal evidence and science. It's physics. Well, just when you say science and physics at the end, it sounds legit. Power, burning, fuel. Do you remember the Ferocity. little advert for Power Thirst? <laughs> power Thirst, was it? Power Thirst. Yeah, Power Thirst. It was like... Well, now that I took us off on a nice tangent already, why don't okay. you take control? Okay, so today we're talking about coaches, aren't we? Well, yeah. yeah. I was talking about creatine, but we're talking about coaches. We are talking about coaching today. So um, before we do that, last day, our topic was where to start when you're trying to lose weight. Mm-hmm. You selected where to put that very gingerly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so last time we talked about where to start when we lose weight, I think we both agreed that essentially the place to start is understanding all of your whys, figuring out exactly what you're willing to do, and starting to plan the behavior change. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's really just logistics of what am I going to do for exercise and, and diet, essentially. Yeah. But it all kind of comes back to the, the general idea of what are the behaviors that I need to get where I want to go. Yeah, honestly, I'm still thinking about that episode. <laughs> There's a lot in it. Yeah, the uh, that whole book, Atomic Habits, and talking about everything and digging into the why and having that why be deeper than just also thinking about, you know, I want to feel this one certain emotion or I want to think, like, get rid of this certain insecurity. Having that why be more broad and expand into who do I want to become? Like, what type of father do I want to be? What type of person do I want to be? What type of athlete do I want to be? That's, um, I think that's really where it hits home. Yeah. For me, it's pretty crazy how your brain, the, what you do, you're, you're ingraining those pathways and, and myelinating those. So you get more of what you're doing. So I'm totally going to create a highlight, like bling, Curtis's big boy word of the day, myelinating, myelinating. Yeah. Never heard it before. Okay. So in your brain, you have like a nerve that comes from your brain. You have a synapse and it sends a pattern down that nerve when you create a new synapse if you want it to be faster what your body does is it creates myelin sheathing it's uh, it's an insulator but it's also a conductor and it's made mostly of, of fats and protein so especially like polyunsaturated fats mm-hmm. but this is near and dear to me because my condition is demyelination oh, so okay. when that starts happening and you don't have that insulation heat destroys me that's that doesn't work well for me because i don't have the insulator but also in later stages you don't get that conductivity either so you start having muscle spasticity um all sorts of things there's a laundry list of all the things that can can go go wrong but myelinate myelination is is a big deal it 
your brain chooses what pathway it's using and it lays down more of that to make it faster. Interesting. So like when you think about learning something, like when you first learn a squat, it's super uncoordinated or even like watching a kid walk (laughs) when they're learning it's really uncoordinated and like jittery and stuff hilarious that's the word i use i don't use myelating i use hilarious yeah (laughs) yeah so they don't have the nerve pathways yet yeah and essentially what happens is it keeps myelinating that so you see somebody learning almost anything it looks jittery uncoordinated whatever and as it gets easier and easier and more autonomic for them then that's kind of what's happening interesting yeah all right we're going to dig into some some wins of the week yeah, well, we summarized last week. The, we'll talk about where we're going in a sec here. Wins. Do you want to start with the wins or do you want me to start with wins? you want me to get some momentum going here? Sure. Yeah, you go. So yesterday, I got to go and teach over 30 kids how to do Olympic lifting mm-hmm. at, at Fit Kids, where my kids go to day home. They're having an Olympic week. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's actually an Olympic week. I don't know why I air quoted that. Um, so each day they have a different activity they've got today they're learning luge so then i saw will on his stomach on a long board oh, just nice. me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah yesterday i got to go in and work with them and it was really cool i got to work with between four and seven kids at a time and i had some dowels there and i brought my five pound bar that will has and his little five pound bumper plates for them to try to lift at the end and when i got there the pride on him was, hey that's my daddy that for me was like <laughs> Yeah, I got the pre-cry lip quiver. Yeah. I did. And then, but even better was when I was teaching them, especially his group, he came up and he wanted to demonstrate, which was good because I only had so many dowels. And that was the point where he started realizing that not every kid knows how to do that. And yeah. he's like, well, this one's called a snatch and he's demoing and whatever. And He got to teach as well. Yeah. So like watching him stand up and, and be confident in front of his friends and and kind of show them what he can do and and stuff like this it was yeah that was that was a huge win i had had some other client stuff go on that was really good but that's the one i'm talking about because that's that's the real stuff that's the stuff you work towards like and the kids i didn't know how they would take it because it's you got to get kids to focus and they're between five and twelve and the (laughs) five-year-olds focus for a five-year-old they're semi-feral still (laughs) they're (laughs) developing empathy so they're no longer psychopaths but but they're still relatively feral so it's like i i didn't focus look at my eyes look at my eyes and you do that and some of them can and some of them actually and some of them you don't look in the eye just in case yeah yeah you might try to bite you (laughs) and just back up mind your business business. (laughs) yeah fresh prince references are always good but yeah anyways that was that was hugely um rewarding for me because i get to share something that i obviously love and and then they, they all started asking about, can you bring us all your medals? Can you show us videos of you lifting and things like that? And then they, they asked me to come back next week every day because the kids loved it so much. So yeah, I didn't anticipate a lot of what happened there, but it was, it was hugely um, rewarding to be there. So yeah. I, I consider that a big win. That was a big win. Well, you got the momentum ride that way. Momentum and big wins. What's been eating on my plate for like the past month is I am getting married in like three days. I feel like I need a cowbell like bling, 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 bling. Uh, woo. Yeah, it's exciting but also stressful. It's there's like there's a lot to it. But I get to lock down my best friend. Hey and my favorite person on the planet. So oh, I, Okay, trumping my stuff. Okay. I don't want to cry tomorrow, bro, but it might happen. You're going to cry. Damn it. Yeah. You, we, it's okay. 
Yeah, there's a lot of emotion with that, but uh, well, it's also the culmination of all the planning and all the the build up and all this sort of stuff. It, yeah, it's it's like okay, so I finally arrived at this day that I've been looking for and whatever. And, yeah. yeah, client wins. I've had um, a lot of my people starting to dabble with some kind of just beginner intro to like weightlifting techniques and stuff, which is something I'm passionate about teaching. Obviously, I really enjoy it, and they all seem to be picking up like adequate adequate form i would say relatively well so makes me feel at least like the cues i'm giving and like the my technical breakdowns and things that i've learned from from you and diesel among like other things that i've like learned and things like that it's all it works people people can pick things up and put them down with nice form yeah you know one of the biggest things about weightlifting for me is you can actually watch their understanding of their own movement and their their general confidence go up with the quality of the lifts as they're learning it it's yeah it's really good it's interesting to see how people receive information as well like how different cues work for different people and some people need to see it multiple times over and some people need to just do it multiple times over and you can see other people's brains like how they think and how they operate for me i always told everybody that when i was learning weightlifting with you i needed to see it often and if I wasn't picking something up, I was like, Curtis, you just have to show me. Like, just go and show me. And you would often have to kind of just go in and execute in my brain. Like, oh, okay. And after I see things, I'm able to implement a little bit. And I still find like a lot of people are more kinesthetic learners. Like they need to kind of just rinse and repeat it over and over and over. Well, everyone says that they're visual learners, but there's no there's no one person that just has, okay, this is my one only type. learning style. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to movement, I'm like, if you're a visual learner, if you're truly a visual learner, then when I show you a squat, you should be able to demonstrate it pretty close. And that's that skill is few and far between. Yeah. Understanding what it is and being able to regurgitate that, that's that's one thing. Being able to execute that is an entirely different kinesthetic process. And a lot of people have to be able to practice it over and over to actually myelinate those pathways. Yeah, for me, <laughs> and again for other aspects of life like math equations i cannot just look at an equation or look at a like what is it the formula and be able to replicate it i need to i need to do math multiple times over before it actually sticks in my brain i would say that's most people i actually think most people need to practice something to get it yeah when you look at like the way that people learn your your percentages of of how they learn is going to be different based on their style but when you stack the styles, it's actually pretty similar. The data, like if if you look at some charting on what people can retain, it's like, okay, well, they just heard it and they only retain this much. And most people, I think of what they hear, they only retain something like 50%. Yeah. But if they write it down, it jumps up over 10%. Mm -hmm. And if they explain it to somebody else, it jumps up again. And if they practice it, it jumps up again. And you can get up into like the, the mid nineties if you are using all of your have to skills, do all so. of those like steps though, in order to get yeah. the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. So for my students, like, um, you learning weightlifting, explaining it to people, you'll likely execute better because a, you had to watch it, b you had to explain it and c you had to judge it, which is actually the highest form of, of learning. You look at something, establish what went well and what, what needs work. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's the highest level. Judgment is the highest level of learning. That doesn't sound very nice. There's some negative connotations there, but I think you understand. <laughs> I get you. So, well, that brings us to what we're going to talk about today. How so, to choose a coach. Yeah. Well, I think this is a big thing. Um, I'm going to start out with the definition at some point, but 
So after last day, we had talked about, you know, all the habits and behaviors and inner work and stuff. And I think it's pretty clear that a lot of people, they come in saying, well, I want to look better. I want to lose weight. And then when they dig into that a little bit more, it's going to be, well, here's how I feel about how I look. And I don't think how they look is the actual issue. It's more about how they're feeling and how they relate to others based on that in a lot of cases. Yeah. But when they get into what it actually is, then we need to start talking about, okay, where do I go with this? And there were a few people that had said, you know what, hire a professional. And I think that's a good place um, to go. Um, but in my view, even that part, it revolves around a lot of work to be done. So how to choose a coach, I think, is a natural next step. Would, would you agree with that? 100%, yeah. I think, and again, that's a it's easy when people are just like, oh yeah, you just hire a professional. I think what most people's steps would generally look like in that kind of situation is they would be either a referral base, like, oh, I had some good success with this guy. You should check him out. And people will go to that just because it's a trusted word. And that's like their first step. Or they just go to the gym, look at the board and be like, mm, that one. Yeah. <laughs> or they look on the floor, that guy. Or they go online. Or they go online. Yeah. And at some point we'll have to talk what, what to look for in an online coach because i do think what to look for online is a little bit harder would you agree with that or i think it's the same principles but i think it's a little bit harder to get through why would you say it well because in person you can actually communicate get a feel with for the person or whatever else it comes down to the same thing you really gotta interview them as much as they're interviewing you yeah for sure so but you know when we start talking about how do you choose a coach, I think the first thing to understand is what a coach actually is. And this was interesting. And when I looked it up, it was like a person or a vessel that gets you from one point to another. Oh, that's the definition of coach? It's something like that. Yeah. And they, there's a little bit of variability. Makes me just feel like a tool. I'm a person. Yeah. Well, yeah, a person or. So you think about like the coach in Cinderella. She got in the vessel to take her somewhere. This is true. So that's yeah. a weird concept though that you say that because I used to warn trainers when I was mentoring trainers and helping them build their business. I found that once a client and the coach or trainer had a disconnect, that their relationship was no longer person to person. It would be the coach would reach out. How are you going? Like, how is it going? And they would try to talk to the client and try to like establish some kind of accountability slash communication. And then if the client starts ignoring the trainer because they're no longer the person that's helping them now, they're now an obstacle that they no longer agree with so they treat them like no longer a person more of like a tool or an obstacle or a vessel yeah that's that's depersonalization yeah that's yeah a, that's a, a challenge to work with for sure in relationships in general in general yes so, you know um, when we start talking about how to true how to choose a coach relationships will definitely come up but i put up a a comment or a question a query uh, yes a query a query statement of question indeed yeah so i put one of those up on my facebook a while ago and at the time i didn't plan on doing a podcast on it but it it's a natural next step so you know when we started ask i asked people directly what do you look for when you're hiring a coach and then i had another follow-up question i was like does your coach need to be in peak physical condition specifically because i had somebody say well my coach needs to be more jacked than me and i'm like hmm I don't, I think that's, I think that's missing the mark a little bit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> what was there a ghost acting on your mic there? Apparently. Okay. So when we start talking about it, I think there's a few basic places that we can go. Um, before we go there, do you want to talk about the data? 
the data. Mm, indubitably, I yes. will. Okay. <laughs> well, you have the glasses. You look more scholarly than me. They're very small to see in the camera, though. So I kind of, I dug through, I was curious. I dug through your question. I was looking at everybody's comments and I was reading what people were looking for. And I was reading your replies on kind of the statements back and forth. But I came up with a couple different um, categories that could be categorized. Categories that could be categorized. Yeah. <laughs> so there was things like a lot of people, education, knowledge, there was accountability. I think there was one that was like genuine care. Um, proven track record, professional, looks the part, accountability. The biggest one that I found was personality mesh, like a, a personality that you can actually vibe with or mesh with and like somebody that you actually trust. That was the biggest one. So personality seemed to be the biggest hit. And then education was uh, number two. Everything else was kind of scattered in between. Yeah, I find this question really interesting because you'll have your people that... They're like, this is the answer. And I, I say this all the time on questions. You're going to have your people that answer because they don't think you know the answer. Yeah. Then you're going to have the people that are like, well, this is the answer. And I think it's a bigger issue than doing that. Well, this is my answer. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, it's like, well, this is the answer. And it's usually for me, to mm -hmm. be fair. Um, and then you're going to have the people that they're like, oh, I don't know that you can answer that. But here's like a few things I think about. Yeah. And those are all really interesting for me to engage with. And I respect all of them. Um, but the thing that I find really interesting is when you have a hard stop, like, well, education, period. It's usually somebody that really values that component of things. But for me, in my experience, I've seen people come in with some of the highest levels of education on paper. Yeah. And they can't get the job done. And I think that comes down to relationships. But I've seen somebody come in with a two-day course and genuine interest for a decade and good people skills and they do really really well they get great results the people that they work with love them and keep coming back and things like this yeah whereas the former that i had mentioned with really high levels of education even up to the level of a phd i had working at at one point and i found in those situations that sometimes they believe that their education tells the whole story and it's like no it is still a relationship and your ability to get it across how do you how do you feel on that topic straight up education education or not i think that's an ego thing i think the ego can destroy you if you think that you deserve like if you deserve things because of your education or because of your tenure or because of your proven track record as soon as you start falling into this boat of like people should just come to me because i'm that good and you're no longer trying to reach out to other people, I think that ego can essentially cripple cripple a coach anyways, cripple their business, cripple their relationships. As soon as you, I deserve this, I'm better than this, once you kind of start holding those boxes with you, a little Arbinger reference. Yeah, that is. Uh... As soon as you start holding those boxes with you of I deserve and I'm better than, people actually start to feel that, and then it doesn't feel like genuine care anymore. I thought about this, I wanted to get off my brain, but out of these categories, one that was important to me is like personality knowledge education but one that's been important to me is just quality time for me if i don't feel like i'm getting quality time from my trainer or mentor or whoever that relationship starts to fall apart for me i don't need quantity but i need quality so if i was say you know doing a mentorship program or working with a coach who was working with a lot of people and that coach no longer felt like he had the time for me and he was there like you get quantity of time but not like that nice quality to me that let the relationship would fall apart for me specifically right well i think a lot of people feel that way and 
it makes you feel special, right? Like, yeah, well, we're going to talk in a little bit about, you know, the brass tacks of, of a coach and a few questions to ask. And that fits into that really nicely. Okay. I just wanted to bring it up because before I forget, Oh, that is, that is beautiful. And, and we'll get there for sure. But on the education front, I think it can be miscarried on both sides of things and be like, well, this person doesn't know anything because this is all they have. And I think that's short sighted. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I've had a few people that have been involved in high level sports and athletics as a coach and an athlete for years and truly obsessed about the actual craft that they're involved in. Um, and their education really isn't anything to write home about, but they do a really good job. Yeah. And I've seen people on the other side where they believe that because they've gotten this certain level of education, that that tells the whole story for them. And again, that's, that's miscarrying on the other end. So education I do believe is important now for me I've taken a course every single year bare minimum since I started yeah uh, in 2006 and that's really important to me because I always want to be sharpening the skill set because in our in our industry I believe if you're not learning then you're actually going backwards because our understanding of the human body continues to advance so if you're not advancing as well you're gonna get left behind so I think that is a huge component and it is important, but I think it needs to be bridled with the other things that we're going to discuss. Would you fall in a similar kind of zone on that one? Yeah, I think just from my experience of like educating, again, like mentoring trainers that like hiring trainers and things like that, teaching like business development meetings and actually like teaching the trainers things and actually like having them utilize it and be excited. It like creates passion. Like anytime I've taken a continuing education course, my passion and excitement for like the career path that we've chosen, like it kicks up exponentially so when i started to feel stagnant or if i seen other trainers start to feel stagnant that education piece even if they feel like again if they have that ego sense of like oh i'm already i've already did my learning i'm done i hit university or i did this or i'm done as soon as you start to get that stagnant sensation once they started like going into a continued education course and learn more you just see like a, a new fire a new passion new excitement it's like that knowledge is almost like new toys that you can apply to different aspects, right? So what if I flipped the the conversation a little bit? Would you be okay with a little flip? Flip it. A little kick clip? Okay, so we're talking about it from the trainer side. When should you not look for a coach? <laughs> for me, how to choose a coach comes back to this idea where education on the client side is really important because there are certain people that you probably don't want to coach. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to tick you off if you look for one. And it's one and the same of what you're discussing. It's the same phenomenon, but on the other side. And to me, this is people who their cup is full. Mm. Forgive the metaphor, but if if you believe that you know it all or or you've arrived, yeah, uh, then we have a problem because you're not willing to take on new information and kind of sharpen your knife anymore. Again, a second me- mentor or, or metaphor. second metaphor. I'm stacking them. That's not a good thing to do, but... If you think that you've arrived, it's really hard because, you know, if your cup's already full, you can't fill it up anymore. There's no new information to take on. Yeah. So somebody that feels like, oh, no, I've been doing this. I've heard it a lot of times in the gym. I'll show somebody, listen, if you want your lats, that isn't a good pull down. So here's how you can change. It's like, whatever, I've been doing this 30 years. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean that you've arrived anywhere. And yeah, if you think you have, then you know what? best of luck and I hope it works out for you but I think in that situation not to be negative or any stretch but I think that's a an indicator that you're not ready for a coach and if the coach has arrived there I actually wonder if they're ready for the relationship of being a coach 
Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I used to just say stupid, like the same thing Paul pulled into my mind if I was dealing with somebody like that who felt like they had all the answers. They're like, oh, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. Because even I know what I'm doing is almost like people in the gym trying to slough off a professional. Basically, it's, I don't even think they actually believe in what they're saying. I think it's just the first thing they go to say, like, go away from me. Like there's resistance. So it's not the real story, but often when like, oh, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, really? I've been doing this 10 years for six days a week, eight to 10 hours a day. Stack those numbers or stack that time up. And I don't have all the answers. So if you do, I want to know what book you read, like, or what you studied to have all the answers of this uh, crazy journey that's still evolving. Where'd you get that drug and who's your dealer? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. So the education thing I actually think is really important to discuss in that fashion where it's you have you have the trainer or coach side of things, but then you also have, you know, am I ready for a coach? And for some people, the answer is not right now. And I think that that saves a lot of challenge on both sides of things. Mm. So the education side for me, it's like, is that all that matters? I think that's a staunch no from me. Um, Does it matter for sure? But is it all that matters? It's absolutely not for me. Do you think absolutely everyone should have a coach? You know, I think it would be really hard to say that somebody doesn't need a coach. I've had a coach almost my entire time in the industry and previous. That's part of why I got into the industry. But granted, there's barriers to entry. Totally. But what I've learned from my coaches has been so much more than just the information sitting there. Like I get to experience it and and not only experience and going through that information, like experiencing it kinesthetically or, or experientially. Yeah. But I, I also get to experience that as a client and be like, well, here's what I felt like at this point. And, you know, what do I want to get across for my people? And, and it just creates a, it's a bigger level of experience. So I, I often, if I'm going to take on a coach, I want to know who coaches them. And if they don't have a coach, I'm going to ask them why. Because <laughs> I have all the answers. <laughs> wow, this is interesting because, you know, I, I did teaching for ELA for six, seven years or something like this. And elevated learning Academy. Yeah, The elevated learning Academy is a four month diploma. And what you come out with is all of the information to go and pass your ACE exam as well. So it's a really good starting point. Um, but it is just a starting point. And often when I take on practical students, I'll ask them, have you ever had a coach and would you consider hiring one? Go ask your class that. And the results of such a question are like crazy to me. Like 70% of them are like, well, I am a trainer. I don't need a trainer. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that. It's a weird attitude. I have a hard time believing that that person that's never invested in a coach themselves and isn't willing to now and can't see the value is going to do really well selling themselves as a coach because I wonder if they really believe in it. And I wonder if they have the mentality that they need, which is. I can always take on more information. I'm open to to taking more information. Yeah. Honestly, that was the start of my career. I'm like, what do I need a coach for? And I thought it was all easy. Man, how that has changed. Like I told you, the more information I get, the dumber I feel. There's just so much to take in. There's so much knowledge, so many different, like, between, like, biomechanics. and just It gets crazy. Yeah. Even... What was the big boy word you used? Refresher? Myelination. Myelination. Okay, yeah. carrying on. Yeah. <laughs> so when we talk when we talk about that specific phenomenon, there is a graph on that. And as your confidence or as your information goes up, your confidence goes down and then it'll spike again. You'll see this kind of up and down trajectory mm. on it, 
where it's like you get more information and then your confidence will come up and then you continue getting more information. It's like, oh man, I don't know anything man, there's again. there's so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's a natural part of the learning process. And I often talk to people that I'm mentoring about that. I'm like, listen, you get into a different zone or a different rabbit hole mm-hmm. and you're going to experience that dip in confidence and that's good. That's checking your ego and I think that's good. So yeah. my view of education is very positive. But I do think, like most things, it can be miscarried. And if it's the only indicator for you, you're going to run into trouble. See, that's an optimistic way to look at it, being like checking the ego. I don't think people like getting their ego checked. Vice versa, it's an optimistic way to look at it. When we talk about hiring a good coach, when people have negative experiences of like, oh man, I had a bad coach or whatever, those are learning opportunities as well. You have identified what you don't want in your coach going forwards. Rather than just throwing in the towel and quitting. I've had five chiropractors or... 10 different massage people I've, I've worked with. I I definitely have identified who I like working with and why, and why I don't like others. And one of my favorite questions to ask a new client is, have you tried this before and what went wrong? Because they'll literally give you the Cole's notes of things that they need specific to them. Yeah. So you want to set up a good relationship. Let's understand the things that they actually need. And most people don't do a great job of enunciating. Well, I need this from you. I need that from you. But if you say what went wrong, they'll, they'll say exactly what you need to avoid. And, that's one of my favorite questions because it lets me know how to win. And I want to win for them. I do. That's, I think, the reason why I have lots of success with my clients isn't because I'm super smart. I'm not that smart. But I do care about winning for them. And I care about them. I love people. So I think that that needs to bridle all of these things. So, But that's education. I mean, that's, that's that realm. Do you have anything? Education and knowledge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, knowledge is, yeah. yeah. Okay. We can say that that's part of that. We could get off on a tangent, but we're not. (laughs) When we start getting into education, the next thing that we kind of identified that we're getting from them is a proven track record. So I'd like Mm. to call that pertinent background. Yeah. But there's two parts to that. Pertinent background would be, I guess, performance on their part, so doing what you want or or something that you can respect. Or have they helped others accomplish it. That's the other part. Yeah, look at that. Just bringing it on in. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Indubitably. So, um, pertinent background. Um, The first thing I wanted to talk about in this, my follow-up question was, does your trainer need to be in peak physical condition? Um, The results of that were really interesting because I actually had a few trainers say, absolutely, they need to be in better shape than me. And this is a really interesting question. So, if I were to just say to you, okay, does your trainer need to be in peak physical condition? What do you think of? Right away, no. Explain. I've just seen coaches in the industry who are like nutritional wizards per se, who, again, I was showing you this just before the podcast, but like I know a nutritional wizard who has helped multiple, multiple like bodybuilding and bikini competitors get shredded to go on stage. But I've never really seen that nutritional wizard ever be shredded himself or even look like semi-shredded, if you will. A semi-shred. A semi-shred. That's a new thing. Okay. So like whether it's a nutritional wizard or whether it's a powerlifting coach or whether it's like your weightlifting coach or I've just, I've just seen it in the industry multiple times over where some of the best coaches, some of the best trainers or best mentors don't exactly reproduce that value for, for themselves, I guess. Yeah. See, it's an interesting, interesting comment for me because. First of all, I, I had a few people say, oh, they better be in better shape than me. And I'm like, ooh, what's the definition of that? That can be a pretty juicy topic on its own. But for me, Henrik was my 
my weightlifting coach for almost eight years. He was a really, really big factor in my life. My first son's name is William Henrik uh, for a reason. He's like my grandpa. Um, so he had a big impact on my life and my career and whatever else. Amazing coach. He was an Olympic level coach. He went to the Atlanta Olympics with the um, Armenian squad. He was the head coach of the Soviet team before that whole thing changed. Part of the reason why he moved to Canada, I think. But um, for him, he he hadn't done weightlifting for decades. He was 64, and I still respected him plenty based on the fact that he had done that in the past. And even as a lifter, he was in the 62 and a half category and he clean and strict pressed 137 and a half. Mm-hmm. My good God. More than double body weight strict press? No, their strict was really interesting, but I got him to demo that a few times and he could still box, man, like 65 and he could drop into a full ass squat. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of respect for him. So when I look at that comment, I'm like, well, he's not stronger than me right now, but he has been. He's done this in the past. So... For me, it comes back to, well, has he done this for other people? Has he done something himself to demonstrate that he has the kind of fortitude to accomplish something of the like? And even if it wasn't weightlifting, I'd want to know, like, what had he done and can can I get behind that? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something that I respect that I can build the foundation of a relationship on that we're kind of petting the same dog, you know? Yeah. Yeah, overall, this was a tough one for me because... I haven't worked with that many coaches. Like I would say like primarily my main coaches were you and Diesel and I had like I hired a gymnastics coach, but everyone that I worked with was able to they were a step ahead of me. Like Diesel is a better weightlifter than me, you were a better weightlifter, my gymnastics coach was a better gymnastics coach, so I definitely fell into that category of hiring people who were already doing what I wanted, but that doesn't mean that I was writing off those who could not. Like if some, but again, what I would have looked for is if I was trying to hire a coach to help me do a one arm handstand, I would like to see that they've helped other people to do it or that they did it themselves in the past. And maybe they don't do it anymore because their shoulders or their wrists are X or Y or Z or whatever the case may be. But I would like to kind of see that you actually did it. Would it be safe to say that it's kind of two silos and you can have one that's really full? Like they, they had this career themselves or they've really helped other people do it. And there has to be some sort of balance there so that you end up getting to kind of a threshold. So with those two silos, would you then say that at least one of them needs to be full, bare minimum? Well, I don't know if it's full. I'd say it to a certain threshold. Because like, for example, I know a lot of people that um, they've performed reasonably well in in a specific event, whether that's powerlifting or something. And um, they have an athletic background that they came in and they they got some, some good result themselves but does that mean they can do it for other people yeah like yeah, michael no, that's jordan one of, that's is one not of the, the world's best coach no but he is one of the world's best athletes yeah would i hire him as a coach but that's mm-hmm. the silo being well yeah true true so like if you get to a certain threshold it's like well he's all the way full on this it's like well yeah but out of 200 percent, i need something like a 140 and, and it's not an identified number but it's like is that something i can get behind and respect it kind of the whole question it just seems like it depends it depends it depends depends yeah i think it comes down to relationship really like so that the next place we have to go is personality Mm -hmm. which was the biggest one on the category is everyone wanted a personality whether 
it was somebody that I can gossip with that will make me by talking trash, distract me or was somebody that won't put up with my BS. And that one is more complicated for me because some people require tough love and some people require like more compassionate love. So the coach or the relationship needs to kind of be malleable depending on, on that. Like you might put up with someone's BS in a different way than I would. And that's going to be a different tailored, like approach to, the relationship that they're looking for. So it's a hard one to really completely identify. Well, when it comes down to that, I think that coaching is a relationship. Yeah. Like when we talk about it as, okay, a coach is another way of saying like a a horse and buggy sort of thing or whatever. Um, It can be a train, whatever. Will it get you to A or B for sure? And what about in the kind of terms or comfort that you're looking for? Because I could go in like something that doesn't have a suspension. I'm probably not going to feel great when I get there, but I got there. Mm-hmm. Or I can go in something that's luxury and get a sleep on the way and feel exactly how I want to when I get there. So it's like two different paths that you can take when you look for a coach. And so knowing that it's a relationship, that to me is more choosing some of the softer details. So even if I can get there, so I can go from A to B, is it on my terms is a big deal. How are we going to get there? How are we going to get there together? It's like if yeah. I wanted to lose 10 pounds. Yeah. I can lose 10 pounds over a month and a half and be ready to compete in weightlifting. Yeah. Or I can do a water cut the night before and I'm not going to compete near as well. Yeah. But I've got from A to B. It's just, did I get there in the terms that I wanted? You were going to say something. I cut you off. Yeah, kind of, these topics are just so, there's so much to them, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is, it all, it all depends and stuff, so I'm not sure where my head is at right now. Yeah, well, so let's get to some of the brass pa- brass tacks of relationship building then. If if a coaching relationship is exactly that, it, it's a relationship, you need to define some basic data. So let's talk about some questions that that they could ask. Okay. So like to identify if the coach is the right fit for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we could start with what does that coach offer? Mm-hmm. So what are the, the pertinent things to look at there? Start there. Based on what the coach offers, well, yeah. it needs to correlate with whatever your goal is. Right. So whether that's weight gain, do they offer a meal plan? Whether it's weight loss, do they offer a nutrition or meal plan or nutritional guidance? like how do they deliver their accountability how do they deliver their program like you said is it uh is it just an excel spreadsheet or is it a google document that has links to videos or is it just a a nicely finely tuned app that's all built and integrated that has everything you need in the palm of your hand and it's easier of access to use these are like that's like delivery mechanisms totally yeah and those are two separate things to me so like what do they offer That one we can loop in with what we've already discussed and give it some teeth, right? So what do they offer? Well, they offer in-person training. It's like, okay, does that fit for me? Can I work with that? Yeah. Because you need to find that out first. What do they actually offer? And we're going to have to talk about different options as far as remote, online, and in-person at some point. But what do they offer is a big deal. And then the second question would be, how do they deliver it? Yeah. Because... Even if you get a program that's a really good program, the world's best program is total toilet paper if you don't do it or don't do it with the right intention. Yeah. So for me, I really try to bias 
my business against just giving a program because my ability to give them, here's the intention behind it, here's the quality behind it, and, and here's what the execution looks like, totally changes the value. Mm-hmm. So the cost goes up, but the value goes up exponentially more in my view. So yeah. I really make it so it's not much more expensive to get feedback because that's what I want from my people. I want them to actually learn and walk away with something, not just like six weeks to a better you sort of thing. Yeah. Because I think that can be part of the solution. I've said this before, but it's very rarely the whole solution because six weeks is not what it takes to learn all the things you need. No, not at all. I wonder how successful those programs actually are. Like buy my ebook or buy my 12-week program that's cookie cutter, got everything you need. It comes with your meal plan, your workout, your this, but it's just a PDF that you're purchasing and then you just print off the PDF and then it's all you. Like what's the actual win ratio of that? Well, we know that people starting a new habit is 76% failure, was it? Something like this? Yeah. If that's what the case is, I think that the accountability and follow-up is really what changes the game in that. Mm-hmm. So I think that if the service doesn't have that, you got to really look about what is this service giving me for value. But the short-term thing, uh, you know, when, when we see this phenomenon of like eight weeks to fix your knees or whatever else, that might fix that issue, but that doesn't mean you're, it's all done. So I, I see that as it can be a very good few steps, but it's not going to be the staircase. Yeah, this also boils down to the client needing to be actually in the right headspace to do it, which is their own inner work or their own why dialogue. Like if they're doing, say, online coaching, for instance, and there's an accountability piece of like you send me a video, like I've experienced it where it's like the more you give me, the more I'm going to give you. And then the relationship compounds where if somebody isn't bought into the process, isn't doing any tracking or any follow up or any any kind of connection piece, but then you connect with them in a week and you're like, so I didn't see anything complete what happened this week? Everything good? And they're like, oh yeah, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to click, check the boxes or I didn't want to put the data in. I didn't want to do the follow-up video. It's just, but it's done though. It's done. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting because online, the sensation for me, when I have somebody that says, yeah, I've been doing all my workouts and I enjoy it, but I just don't click them off and I don't send you the videos I'm supposed to. I'm like, I, man, you're not getting the value here. Like when you send me that, it seems like a basic exercise. But the better you get at that, the more valuable your reps are. Mm-hmm. And I see people in the gym every day. I had a client yesterday ask me, why why the long eccentric all the time? And this can get really nerdy. Do you want to hear the nerdy part of it? Sure, go nerdy. Okay, so there's this guy named Per Atesh, and he has a book called Targeted Bodybuilding, and he did MRIs of your arms and your legs and shows, well, this one works this head of the muscle better, this, this exercise this, and whatever. When I looked into to this particular guy, he was really involved in exercise as it relates to space travel. So they were doing a bunch of research on when they first sent athletes into space, they didn't anticipate that they would have muscle and bone mass wasting, yeah. like bone density, sorry. Um, so what they were having is astronauts coming out of space and they were super sick, like they couldn't even walk. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, you need to exercise while you're up there. And they realized that. So they started doing that and they gave them these machines i think they're called isokinetic machines or something like this but it was kind of like a hydraulic where you'd push it forward and then you'd pull it back so it's like both ways push pull right yeah and you would think that works even better because it's like a bench press and also a row put together right yeah what they noticed is it wasn't stopping the process of muscle wasting and bone density changes so they're like what what it was happening so they came up with something they invented flywheel technology 
which is essentially this little flywheel. When you get to a certain level, it actually upregulates your eccentric. eccentric. So yep. when you're, you're lengthening face, so you go get to the top of your squat and it's on your waist and then boom, it hits you with more. And your eccentric contraction is something like 40% stronger. Let me personally dumb this down for everybody. Concentric, eccentric, your concentric is like the pushing of the bench press eccentric or negative is lowering down back so, to our program yeah concentric would be with so that would be with the direction you're pushing so the muscle shortening yeah eccentric against so when you're lengthening so lengthening phase but when you're when they were doing that push pull they were still getting sick all of a sudden they gave them like bands and flywheel technology and they they stopped a lot of it and they started doing research realizing that there a lot of the actual uh, micro tears and byproducts, the energetic stuff that happens within your muscle yep. was created by that lengthening under load phase. And without it, the exercise was not that valuable. So fast forward, you watch somebody in the gym and they're just bip, 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 ripping out reps. Like, oh, I did three of 10. Yeah, I did. Or not doing the full lengthening. They're just totally. So what I'm saying is if they're not controlling that eccentric and getting some good contraction there, they're getting like 10% of the changes that they want. So every every hundred minutes that they spend in the gym is worth 10 that sucks yeah so that whole conversation is like okay well geez how do they deliver this how do i know i'm doing it i think there's an execution piece there's an accountability piece for sure and then there's actual quality of the program so i think when we start talking about it as a relationship it's like okay knowing myself what's going to work for me as far as follow-up i need to be followed up with on these sorts of intervals i need this much information i want this much engagement um but a lot of people they're like well what's cheaper and if you look at like a 50 dollars ebook it's like well that's an easy thing low barrier to entry but the value to it is really low too because they're unlikely to do it yeah whereas it's like well i want this much feedback and it's worth this much I, I believe the value is much compounded as well it's funny to me though that everyone seems to think that they can execute these programs flawlessly by themselves like because that's the lowest like that's the easiest barrier to entry like to get in like just buying a program buying an ebook or whatever but they think that like oh yeah yeah no no, no i'm good i i got it i got the program i'm good to go and then and then when they fail it's like again well i used to work out i used to be in good shape i used to look like you what did you say you did? You uh, clean and jerk three? Th how much did you clean and jerk? 3.30. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. Like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Yeah. No, I always, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me in, in the last many years, oh, I'm going to beat your record in Olympic lifting. I've had a few people say that to me, and I, I just smile at them. They're like, why are you being cheeky? I'm like, I'm not. I just know what goes into it, and I'm not sure you're you're willing to do it. Oh, it kills me when people do that. Like, I was spending six days a week training and it was it was some big training uh, my ego is not it's it's dialed down over the years but i have a pretty 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 handstand it's pretty 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 the line is pretty pretty and my balance is pretty pretty, pretty, pretty. and when everyone tells me like oh yeah i used to do handstands too i'm like not like that you didn't because i know what goes into it it's been years for me to unlock that pretty pretty balance and the pretty pretty line we're not talking about scorpion over like like scorpion tailed legs or anything like that like it is a pretty pretty line and people are like oh yeah i do that too i'm like this is taking me years are you sure you did it <laughs> like or are you just saying that and the guys like oh yeah i saw i leg press a thousand pounds what two inches that's exactly it yeah well and that that brings up another thing like is comparison really appropriate it's like oh yeah well i've, I've snatched this much like cool what was your body weight did you do it when a judge was watching 
Because there's a difference between, okay, so let's say somebody actually did lift that. Did you do it on the day when they told you under that sort of circumstance? With an audience watching? Weighed in, like drug tested, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, like it's a big, it's a big deal. So writing off other accomplishments and, and whatever is not a good place to go. I think we can agree on that. But really coming back to it, it's like, how do I hire a coach? I think proven track record is a really good thing to look at, but you're also going to, you're going to want to look at that through two lenses. What -hmm. have they accomplished? And do I find that motivating, exciting? And is that something that, that I can kind of create the foundation of respect to move forward with? Yeah. It's like, okay, so I can, let's say that that's, that's in line. They've done it for other people. I've talked to those other people and the way that they went through, like they went from A to B and they were happy with the process. That helps me. Mm -hmm. They seem to have a, comfortable personality that I can work with. Awesome. And then, you know, what do they offer and how are they delivering it? I think I can get behind that. The biggest thing that I would say, it's like, okay, all of that, we've got it in place. Nice. Is that where you want to go? And that comes back to the deep work. Isn't that annoying? The inner work. Yeah. And like full loop. I was going to say, I want to go back just a second, but the proven track record for people, it's getting easier and easier to fudge those cases kim kardashian never changes her photos yeah no and there's a titan giant bodybuilder called mike o'hearn who says he's 100 percent natural if you search mike o'hearn on your cell phone he's natty wink wink <laughs> yeah i got a hard time throwing shade because i don't know but do you know who michael hearn is oh of course i do so yeah we're gonna, i'll throw shade on him he can fight me he'll just eat me and i'll die but he's such a monster breakfast lunch or dinner what's your choice <sighs> all i can cook really well is breakfast so so he's gonna eat you for breakfast yeah. maybe some that's, eggs that's and hash standard. browns on the side no but these proven track records again it's really easy to fudge that. And I say this just in this online world of Facebook and Instagram and marketing and stuff. People can create this stuff and market it and be like, oh, my person did this and this person did that and this person did this. And the thing that gets me the kicker with all these things is like, again, it's meant to pull you in. Like this is, it's meant to rope you in and pull you in and like, like get you hooked. And that's what the marketing aspect of fitness or fiction when we talk about these aspects, like half the transformations I see is, yeah, terrible posture look sad and beat up don't have your hair done and uh terrible lighting and in this one you're gonna like we changed your whole life three months down the road quotations how do we know that for sure but we're gonna put the lighting on you we're gonna give you the makeup style you're gonna look way happier you're gonna look like we changed you entirely as a person and like where did you end up after that like the guy from subway jared your boy yeah. Is he your boy? Yeah. <laughs> your boy, Jared, from yeah. Subway. He's my boy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet. Like, didn't he fall apart after all the Subway commercials? I think so. I don't have good data on that myself. Regardless of the point, the uh, the point still stands that uh, some people can achieve great fitness results and then fall apart afterwards. And then was it really worth it? Well, and that, that phenomenon of choosing a coach because, you know what, I want to look like that. I get that that can be motivation for people. Um, and that's okay. I get that. But like, I don't post shirtless pictures. I don't do that. And the reason is because I don't want to be party to the misleading of people. I don't be like, yeah, you're going to look like this in eight weeks. It's like, <laughs> this did not take me eight weeks. 
it's because your body pops out of your shirt enough is that okay never mind go on <laughs> i don't think that it does I, I truly don't but uh for me i'm like well this is this is part of why this podcast exists because it's important to talk about this stuff some people will say that it's it's just gum flapping or it's it's just minutiae but at the end of the day if we don't discuss this we can't actually work against it and one of the things that I see is marketing and selling things to make an income is not that hard. The reason that I struggle to market is because I really want to be honest with people. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be part of what I see as a challenge to the entire delivery of coaching because you'll see, well, oh, I promise you this, I promise you that. And I watch some of these coaches and I just, I dealt with a person in the last week that her coaches led her down the path of disordered eating yeah and it was it was via comments which was a relational issue and then there's the logistical issue of um training slash overtraining um and um dietary recommendations that ended up going down this path and i've dealt with this many times like almost 10 times i've dealt with somebody that they're in their 20s has never had disordered eating and has been drawn that direction and I'm not the guy to throw shade, but I am going to say we need to be able to do better. We need to talk about these things. And for our, for our listener, for anybody that's involved, I want them to take a second to just look at, okay, I know this is a relationship. What do they offer? How do they deliver it? Is this what I want? And have I vetted them? You know, it, it's not that hard to be like, hey, they posted on that person. Click on their information, send them a message. Hey, what was the experience like for you? Mm-hmm. What was the best part? What was something you found challenging? Yeah. And not that hard. And if somebody did that to my client, I'd be like, awesome. Tell them. I think there's an insecurity with that with people too when they go and look for a coach, when they're talking with the professional. The professional is so good at just taking control and being like, oh, this is everything. And like you said, like as much as the trainer's interviewing and quizzing you on well, what's your goals, what's your health history, what's this, what's that, what's your experience, how do you eat for food? like taking a little bit of that control back and actually quizzing the trainer with the right questions I think is valuable but it's hard to come from that position because you it almost seems like the relationship starts off a little one-sided in my opinion I don't know if that's accurate statement but most people when they came to see me over the 10 years it feels like like you're the doctor almost like you're the one who has the book and the pen and you're the one who's asking questions and control of the conversation and taking everything down not as many people would have interviewed me like like you actually used to discuss that when we interviewed people is that we had to give them a personal clear this is who i am and this is what i've done and this is how i help other people do you have any questions okay now we'll get started because i don't think people are in the right headspace to actually take that approach right off the bat yeah i call that balancing the field because mm-hmm. it, it is a, there's a, a disproportionate sensation of power there's an imbalance of power in that relationship yeah so kind of breaking that down and, and making it a little bit more even to say, listen, I want your feedback. I'm going to adapt to you and I want you to quiz me because I want to be the right fit for you. This is when you can tell the difference between people that do this as a job and people that do this as a calling. Mm-hmm. For me, I've had opportunities to leave fitness and I've chosen not to because I don't see it as a job. I see it as a calling. What I'm willing to go through to make sure my people have success and comfort and things like this is is, I believe it's different I might be a little bit crazy to think that but I think that's a really important concept and and people taking that that 
look and seeing, is this person willing to bring that balance of power down to the level that I need? I think that's a huge deal. Yeah. So do we want to try to wrap this up in a little bow for a nice little tight summary? Are you, are you way at the summary now? Did I, I skip the gun? Say, I think we can summarize. Can I say something in regards to the summary? Always. I think it's 100% possible if we're talking about a coach that you want, we have notes here that we're hiding from YouTube. If we're talking about a coach you want, they have the education, they have the pertinent background, and they still have a personality that you respect. But if there's still like there's, I still think there's still a little bit of an X factor in that relationship that still needs to be there. Yeah. So the X factor is something that it's different for everybody. Yeah. Like you're, you're going to run into stylistic things. Mm -hmm. You're going to run into like the standard stuff, like pertinent background and education and, and are they, can you kind of set up the relationship you want to there? Um, but that X factor a lot of times is, is going to be the development of trust along the way. Mm -hmm. Like the, it's a, the fitness industry was described to me one time. I forget where I heard it, but it, it was like, yeah, this is a challenging industry because you're a professional dealing with things that are deeply personal. Yeah. Right. So when you're entrusted with that, like this, this entrusted, like y it's a huge concept and there needs to be somebody that takes that really serious. And on the other end, that X factor, it might be somebody that actually, they're not really ready to kind of face that yet. It's yeah. like, well, no, I actually, I actually just want you to show me the five best exercises for the back. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. What would you describe that X factor as? Oh man. I basically just thought of it when I spit it out. So you, I think to find it better than I could, but I think it boils down to like, for me, it's like mannerisms, but it's also, I think having extracurricular things that you connect on, that's not just fitness related can also add to that relationship and make you feel comfortable. Like, well, we both like this, or we both like that, or we both do this. That's, I think that's an X factor. Like if a guy only just want like loves hockey and lives and breathes hockey and you don't do a shred of hockey at all like that's not going to ruin the, the relationship entirely but if that was something that like could add a little cherry on top that can be a big boost in the relationship um i think well you had talked about relational skills as well right like your chiropractor raymond yeah yeah when you go see ray he remembers things about you. He's interested in you. Like those are, those are all technically X factor things, but they are relational things. Yeah. So, you know, that X factor, I, I don't know if this is rude, but I think that women's intuition is a crazy thing. Like girls can really pick up on things that are below the surface. Yeah. So it's not that men can't do that, but in my experience, like my wife's intuition is way better than mine. So I guess I'm biased cause that's my, yeah. my, my kind of litmus test, but you know, she picks up on things and she has a feeling about things and is way more in tune with that than I am. And I still do have intuitions and stuff, but uh, she's pretty outrageous with it. I think when choosing a coach, that X, that X factor is like, how do I feel when I'm around this person? Do they add, a, add into my day? Yeah. Like Paul Anthony is, is a guy that's been a respected trainer, really good at the body comp type stuff. And he's done this for decades. And for him, I remember being in, in a talk with him. He's, he's an awesome guy. He's so funny. But he was like, you know why people train with me? Because I'm like crack cocaine. And yeah. I was like, Paul, careful, man. Like, <laughs> maybe stick to something 
more positive. But what he's trying to say is people want to be around me because I make them feel good. I make them feel like they can do it. They want to push themselves for themselves. And the trick to him, I think, or anyone like him is he can make them feel good in a short burst of time. In a group of eight people, if he's still able to make you feel special in five minutes, that's a powerful skill. Whereas it might take, again, like for me, it's hard making me feel special in five minutes. Five minutes is like, I'm still analyzing whether you're real or actually genuine. My brain's like overthinking, overthinking um, just engagement. So I need more time than five minutes. So some people it's five minutes is all it takes to make them feel comfortable, safe, trusted, heard, respected, all of that. For me, I think it's too easy to do that in five minutes. So my brain is not quite as trusting of people. So I need more time than that. And that's where I talked about the quality time being a big piece for me. Well, you're a discerning character. So in a lot of ways, like short bursts, like the potent dose thing for you isn't the best thing. As much as it's quality time, it's quantity of time too. And I, I've heard people for years say, oh yeah, it's okay that you work a lot of hours because it's about quality time with your kids. And I'm like... I don't disagree that it is about quality time, but for yeah. kids, it is kind of about quantity. It's both. Yeah, it's definitely both. Like my boys helped me improve the garage on the weekend. We went to Home Depot. They helped me select all the lag bolts to hang up my bars, change the top sheet on my platform. And I got to watch them have the pride about getting the job done and playing in the new space and whatever. That was actually quantity time. That was two full days of like hanging out in the garage and sure they were playing most of the time, but like when they look back, they're like, yeah, we did that together and they were included in it. And mm -hmm. for me, I, I believe that everybody has this balance between quantity and quality. And for you, quality is good, but you, you need quantity as well because you are discerning and you want to make sure that they're, they're engaged in what's going on with you. Yeah. So summarize education, pertinent back down, background, personality, relationship, maybe X factor for a cherry on top. So that's a more difficult one, but that's, so what's the end goal here? Tell us, what's the number one thing, Curtis? <laughs> Tell us what's the one thing. You only get one. The number one thing when choosing a coach is that you can A, get from point A to B, and B, get there in a manner that you can be happy with, proud of, and continue with. See, I said one thing. He said A and B, but whatever. Wow. <laughs> no, it was smart. You worked around it, see? <laughs> what was that? What do you do when someone points a gun at your head? You can flip the gun around, you can slap out of their hand, you can duck, you can do this, you can do that. That's from a movie too. I wouldn't even be there, so they can't. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you put me in an impossible scenario. What would you, how would you summarize it? I summarize things in a strange fashion sometimes. Oh man, the number one thing when hiring a trainer... This is not something that I thought about a lot previous to us discussing it. Even though I've been a trainer for 10 years, like I told you prior to the podcast being like before we went live, it's not something I put a lot of thought into it because for me, it always just came from a place of like passion, excitement, genuine care, and all these communication pieces relatively came somewhat naturally. I'm not saying I'm the best at it. There's definitely pieces where I've dropped the ball here and then I pick it up and then I drop this ball over here. And it's kind of like a juggling game of all of these aspects of like education, personality, accountability, and like that personality mesh. So it's a hard summary for me, but I think like the number one thing that you should do when you're hiring a trainer is vet them properly. I think that's not done. And in my experience, in my experience, I don't want to talk bad about the big box gym, but it might sound bad. In my experience at the big box gym, 
It was, oh, welcome to the gym, Curtis. Nice to meet you. We're going to pair you with a trainer. Who, who, what are your goals? Well, that guy does it over there, so let's pair you with that guy. And then, boom, you're with that guy. And that vetting process can be very uncomfortable, especially in a big box gym, because if you vet that trainer properly and don't just let that trainer vet you, if you vet that trainer and decide it's not a good fit, now you're in an uncomfortable position because if you want to go to a different trainer, what if those trainers are buddies and now those trainers are like, oh, sorry, Curtis, I took your client, man. Like, well, no, it's all good. You know, we'll get you the next one. Like these these background details and things can kind of make the situation a little complex so and that's just a big box gym thing but number one thing for me anyways is vet vet the coach i think that's a pretty good summary because that'll that'll kind of fill up all of the things that we had talked about and even how you feel because if you're vetting them and you're like well here's how i feel here's how here's how i don't want to say how they make me feel but i think that's that's fair to say when I'm around them, this is kind of where I'm at. And I think I'm a, a blend with their style. Right? Yeah. And it's weird, you know, because we're in the business of coaching and now I'm going to shoot myself and you in the foot. We're in the business of coaching. And if somebody comes to us, like it's great to get a huge commitment. If someone's like, Curtis, I love you. I've only known you for an hour, but I'm going to give you $10,000. I'm going to train with you for the next five years. Ooh. Not that that happens, but I've seen people come in and drop three to 5,000 pretty damn quick, like very quickly grin again, as a trainer, it's great to get that commitment, not even just the money, but just the commitment. Like, damn, you're excited. Holy crap. I'm super excited to work with you. We're going to start this off. And we know that you actually have invested in this and you're ready to rock. Like you want it real, real bad. But if you do that off of like a, a 10 minute hype train or marketing ploy, yeah, I would say beware of your emotions. You got to be really careful because you get super fired up. That's great. But you want to talk to this person. You know, what happens if after the first few weeks, this isn't kind of where I want to be? Like, A, what are you going to do to adjust? And B, do I have to lock in for this long period? The way that I execute my business now is really kind of cued into that because I would rather somebody have the freedom to just say, you know what, not right now. Um, I believe that that builds trust. And if I'm, if I'm wanting huge commitments up front, my question is, okay, well, yeah, but why? Like, do you not believe that you're going to do a good job? Because every time I take on a new client, I have this anxiety. You know what this anxiety is? You like take on a new client, you have this kind of swell of, oh. Mm, what is it? Um, for me, I feel like that anxiety is I'm, I now have been entrusted with responsibility. And I take that seriously. Yeah. It hurts me when people aren't getting where they want to go or they're running through the challenges that people run into changing behavior and things like that. Yeah. So part of the way that I do my business is I don't ask for huge commitments and you know, maybe that hurts me uh, down the long run, but financially, but I can be really happy with what I'm doing and know that I'm servicing my clients the right way. So, you know, that's, that's another thing to look at, but that's, again, it comes back to vetting what you offer and um, how do you deliver it? That that delivery can can tell you a lot. And a proper vetting or a proper interview of the coach can help you kind of decipher that information that you're getting as well. Because if it's not communicated properly and somebody 
gives you that big commitment. And like you said, you get anxiety as a coach or a trainer because you feel this responsibility. So you slap them with everything you got and then it was too much and it was overwhelming and you set them up for failure or you're only sprinkling it to them at a, at a nice dosage, but they don't know that you're sprinkling it to them. And then they're like, man, this guy's not giving me all the answers or he's not giving me everything that I need. There was a communication error there where it's like the coach is doing it on purpose. Like he's only giving you one thing on purpose. Like I've taken on a new client personally and I'm like, well, there's a lot of pieces of this pie. All we're gonna do though for the next two to four weeks is just exercise. We know that the diet, there's room for improvement and we know that the habits, there's room for improvement. But right now, let's get exercise under our belt. Let's just work out and get in the zone and make it feel good. And then we'll start thinking about what's next. Well, I think for, for a future episode, we're talking how to choose a coach. Um, we need to talk about coaching delivery and that's everything from services available to to those kind of softer skills because follow-up is such a key to me like i i talked to a, a client this week and she was a client of mine in 2008 and just got started online so really cool to connect with this person again and i started her with three exercises twice a week yeah because she hasn't done anything she she doesn't really feel like she's in great shape or anything i'm like listen these go well this week and we can start talking about what to do next but i don't want to give you something that you're gonna not do and not feel good about but here's the thing i need to talk to you on sunday i need you to send me a message and tell me a how's the body feeling b do you feel like you did enough and c should we continue on this course or do you want more yeah and that follow-up can really kind of alleviate some of that. I can speak to this a little bit. I'm going to throw you directly in the bus right now. Ooh, in or under? Both. Oh. It's, you're going to get in the bus and then roll under it. <laughs> in that communication dialogue, though, like I've done programs with you where we both get really excited because I have like I had all these lofty goals and I had to communicate to you like, holy crap, Curtis, this is so much like mobility and so much exercise. I can't even remember all this. Like, and I think you just got really excited because you're like, oh man, like Eric's going to be blah, 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 like, and slammed it all down. And then vice versa. I've also, again, it's just where I'm at in my, in my journey, vice versa. I'm like, man, this isn't really what I was looking for. I wanted something a little bit more that looked like this or looked like that. And again, that's just that communication, the communication breakdown. Yeah. Well, and th that's huge because it helps both people learn. For instance, so back back when that was a thing, that was when I was just starting online coaching. Mm -hmm. And for you, it's like, well, I want to do a really good job. This guy knows some stuff, so I'll give him this, 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 and this. You're like, I want to do mobility every night and whatever. And yeah. the thing that I didn't do that I should have done right away is I should have been like, okay, listen, you want to do it every night. Tell you what, I'll give you three, and we'll start you up with this. So it's things yeah. that are easy to remember. You can kind of choose. If you want to repeat it a second time that week, cool. But you know, th these are learnings as a coach that you take. And that was one of my big things was, I have all this information to give you, let's do it all. And it, that that is like a shotgun approach. You know, that it, you feel like it blows your brains out. It's too much. And that was, that was a big part of my learning uh, for doing online stuff. And that was also a big part of my learning. It's almost like learning via injury. I think we were discussing, like I've learned so much just from my own personal injuries or other people's injuries, but to me, as soon as I experience that sensation of overwhelm, I'm like, ooh, that definitely doesn't work. I have to make sure that I don't smash people. Like someone's like, so what are your goals? What are we looking to do here? How many times a week do you want to work out? Seven. Do you? Do you really want to work out seven days a week? How about I give you two? And if you can re repeat that three times this week, then we'll look at what we're going to do next week. Like, but that, that sort of stuff is really important. I think in a future episode, we need to talk about the process of coaching mm -hmm. and each one of our approaches to coaching. Um, because that's that's really 
kind of getting across, well, this is what it's going to look like. Here's what's available and that sort of thing. But too much for today. So much fitness industry. But, you know, if if you know what you're doing and you have all the answers, good for you, right? What do I know? Yeah, you know what? The person that has all the answers, I'd love to learn. <laughs> that's the uh, Kermit the Frog reference on YouTube of That's Not My Business. Yeah. Where he's <laughs> drinking some tea. Oh, yeah. I saw that. It was an empty mug, too, which made it even better. I got a sip. Anyways... We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Yeah, if you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook. The Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, CoachKurt.h for me. Eric.berg. Eric. With an E. B-E-R-G-E. My phone says Berge. Berge. Okay, goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>